0: much a barrier if i couldn't share the Frenchness in me to my daughter she wouldn't mm. be able to speak to her grandmother her grand great grandmother right. there's so many books and things I, me- I remember from being a child or toys and i'm like the instructions in french into board games instructions and in- so much of it would be i can't do that because she can't speak it i think that it would genuinely hurt me if she wasn't able to even understand it
1: Welcome to Coffee and Geography, where my guests and I geek out about the world and everything on it, discovering that we are all geographers in some way, shape or form. I'm your host, Kit, and my pronouns are they, them or she, her. So settle down with a brew, hit that subscribe or follow button, and enjoy the listen. Bienvenue au Café et la Geographie en français. Les enfants dormaient. Oh, Je suis content. <laughs> Allons-y. Bonsoir, Mr. Vis.
0: Ça va? Bonsoir, ça va très bien. Merci beaucoup.
1: <laughs> ah, arrête, arrête, Kit. I'm, I'm stopping. Sorry. Um, I can't <laughs> it do good. it. It was good. It
0: was good. I was
1: just so rusty. I just I've, For anybody who actually speaks French quite well, I wonder if that was the equivalent of running your nails down a chalkboard. So I do apologize, everybody. But what, what would you give me out of 10?
0: Uh, I'd, I'd probably give a, French a harsh market. So I'd give it I'd give it six and a half.
1: Oh, OK. I'm pretty pleased with that. Bear in mind, I haven't spoken French probably for a decade. Um, so, uh, OK, let me explain why I tried to um, open in French. So because my guest, or so Louis, born in Belgium and French. Uh, born in Belgium to French and British parents. Uh, Louis is brought up as a third culture kid, and this helped him to develop a strong interest in people, places, and the world around us. And Louis moved to the UK in 2011 and has since settled in Bristol and is now head of geography in a local school. So, another geography teacher. Indeed, yeah. This, yeah, which is brilliant because um, as uh, people, regular listeners, have been hearing by now, is that even us geography teachers are quite diverse folk. <laughs>
0: yes, I think that's nature of the subject. Uh, people are fascinated by the world and people in it sort of Uh, are attracted by the subject that allows us to understand better
1: yeah seriously and and what i'm getting regular listeners again is like what is probably getting a sense of this is that even though most of my guests have been geography teachers here in the uk which is obvious because that's the circle i'm in that's one of the communities i'm in but i've already getting a sense themselves that there are so many different characters and characteristics and and experiences that come in to make it, and and we do get typecast, don't we? So, listeners, when you think of geography teacher, what I bet if you type it in Google Images or Echoes in Images, what kind of sense you get? So, when you were little, then what would you what would you have pictured a, a classic stereotypical geography I teacher? Think when way? I
0: was little. um in a very weird way, and it's something that uh, I noticed when I moved here. On my first day of my PGC, I was ten. I was I said to my uh, then fiance, "I was like, I'll go in jeans and sh- and, and a polo shirt," and she's like, "There's no <laughs> way you can do this in England. We're all in uniform." So I was already. So in my head, a geography teacher was like in jeans and with like a Quechua sort of uh, walking jacket for like <laughs> trekking in the Alps. Uh, in the UK, I, I feel like the kids always see them with uh, elbow patches and yes. um, a tweed jacket. <laughs> but that would have never been... Ever, you wouldn't see a teacher like this in on the continent. But in the UK, apparently, elbow patches is the thing.
1: And uh, I don't know if folks remember this, and this is going to be hilarious probably to people not in the UK, but they, the the the, the press who... Yeah, I'll ask it about that better. But the UK popular press, the tabloid press, compared Jeremy Corbyn, the ex- leader of the labor party as a geography teacher like he looks like a geography teacher and you know what really kind of like I was kind of like cringing and kind of like laughing at the same time because my and I don't know if he's listening so I do apologize if this is the case Nigel but my old head of department and my old ex-colleague Kind of was a caricature of that kind of Jeremy Corbyn <laughs> look <laughs> so, kind of way he dressed and you know the peppery beard and, and Yeah, and there's oh.
0: something in it. There's something in it, but I'm there is something like, in it. I I would be nowhere near it because I don't own Elbo patches and I don't I can't I can't physically grow that good of a beard, so that's it. <laughs> that's kind of scuppered.
1: No, no, and the, the the same here. And I like I like to um well my, my, my beard and facial hair days are way behind me. Yeah. Way, way heaven. <laughs> um, but uh, nowadays, so when I go into schools, I, I, I yeah, I, 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 just, I, even if I tried, I couldn't dress as a classic geography teacher anymore. I, I, I'd like my, you know, wearing dresses with foxes on them or something but like that, which say, I guess is a, naturally light, but in a
0: controversial know. way, I think is a bit of, I, so I always only wear chinos, shirts, and bow ties. That's my thing oh, and on Fridays. I uh, wear a tie because I dress down, and so I think you have to be—you <laughs> <laughs> have to be a bit quirky, and I think that's what the job for teacher is. It's a yeah. bit of quirkiness.
1: Yeah, totally agree with that. Totally agree with that, and I would be, you know, I I, I did did do that a few times, you know, when I used to wear things like ties and stuff, it would be like kind of the classic world tie and stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly. world tie. But yeah, now, now, and then, but of course when it's, when it's, uh, I suppose the, the, the thing that you can't avoid, of course, because it's appropriate wear is when you go on field trips, you yes. have to wear those, those Absolutely. wellies or those very strong waterproof hikers and the, you know, the, uh, the North face jacket all and all the gear and like, yes, of course, if you go down the field, of course you dress like a geographer. Well, anyway, so we're dig- digressing now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we are uh, the podcast for people who haven't or listened listening to for the first time. It's called Coffee and Geography because this is a chat, like it is in a, in a cafe, and we are drinking some brews. Well, actually, I would admit this is probably one of the first times during the podcast that I'm actually drinking some water from a water bowl. I've had one of those days. Um, but what are you drinking,
0: Louis? I'm going to say something odd uh, because everybody's got coffee, tea. I don't have anything with me now because I've just finished dinner, uh, and we, we finished a bottle of wine. <laughs> which oh, uh, yeah. was which, which my biggest uh, regret as a Frenchman was Portuguese, uh, but it was, it's still it's still it's still decent. <laughs> uh, but well,
1: yeah. but okay, so we'll, let's come let's come to that um, straight away. Then let's segue immediately into that. So we have someone born in Belgium to French and uh, French and British parents drinking Portuguese wine. Uh, you said to me before we started recording, as like I'm just like so European, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, you just, as I said in the intro, you describe you describe yourself as you were brought up as a third culture kid. So it's, okay, so let's go from that. Let's let's uh, talk about your your identity as as a person then. So you're you're I guess therefore you're half British, you're half French, yeah, but correct. do you feel more than that then? Because you were talking about your grandparents and everything.
0: Yeah, so a bit earlier. It was, a, it, uh, growing up, I think it's always been flex, not flexible, but it's evolved with me, my identity as a, where I'm from, if that makes sense. Because that, that was a classic question. It's like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, where do I start? Yeah. How long do you have? Yeah. Um, and I think it was very much, mum was French, uh, dad was English. They worked, uh, we were in Brussels for the European Commission, which is where the, uh, my father worked. And, um, and as growing up, I always thought all my friends were in an international school. And I didn't really have any friends in Belgium because they're all non-Belgian, if that makes sense. And every time there was a holiday, boom, we'd take get jump in the car and go somewhere in the in the UK, up York, up to York, or down to Lyon in France. And so I always thought Belgium was like, oh, when I got out of Belgium in 2011 to go to uni, I thought, oh gosh, that's it. I've nothing linked to Belgium whatsoever. <laughs> um, and I really missed it when I left. <laughs> I really missed it. Um, and I've. I'm, it's, I've got a Belgian a nationality, and I think it's by living elsewhere. I've sort of appreciated how much I have by being so split around. Um, but equally, when you grow up, I remember my sister and I always found it a bit odd to not be a hundred percent of something. Wow! Right, um, okay. it's Even little things like you'd go to a friends' house and you'd play some like board games, and they'd come up with like a TV pre- if it was some uh, some some acting or charades, charades, and you'd come up with like a uh, TV presenter was 1980s in France, and we are like, no idea who they are. And then it came <laughs> up with a Friends character from, from, obviously, the TV show. And all my French friends were like, never heard of that. I'm like, well, who are you guys, never having heard of Friends? And so it's always, we weren't fully immersed in French culture. We weren't fully immersed in the English culture. And we were a bit of, let's say, 75% of everything. And there were moments as kids we were like, oh, gosh, we're literally always different. Um, and now oh. I actually really like being different. And I make it the point of, I make it a big part of who I am. Uh, and so I big up the French here massively. But if I go to France, I'm <laughs> sure I'd big up the English part humongously. Uh, so, yeah.
1: <laughs> that is so f- fascinating. I have I wonder how my family, my kids in particular, feel that way, being half American and half British, but they live in the UK. Yeah. Where, whether... whether I don't know. I, perhaps it's something to ask them when they're a bit older and they're able to reflect be, on it. But, but yeah,
0: it'd yeah. be interesting. Cause I think in your, what would be even more interesting in the case of your children is the fact it's, it is the same language. So there's, mm. there's a chance that they'll be more likely to see the same TV shows, et cetera, but yeah. there's some culture you just can't assimilate. Um, and I noticed that, especially with my daughter, she's 17 months and when she was I was I definitely wanted to speak French to her and only French because my dad only spoke English I was in French school and French mum everything around me was in French and so we learned Ah. to speak English to dad mum and dad spoke English and everything else it was in French and we jumbled mumbled the two languages for ages and ages and ages Um, but now I've got both and I, I think it's so so valuable and I I decided I definitely want to do the same with my daughter. My wife speaks good enough French to understand and not be excluded of the conversation. And initially, it was a decision I wanted to. But actually, the more I bring her up, the more I realize I wouldn't be able to do it otherwise, just because I don't know hmm. English nursery rhymes. I don't know English, like storybooks. There's some instinctive things I'll be like, oh, I remember this as a kid, but I don't know it in English because I was never... In England as a child. Um, I think that's I wonder how other parents found find it, but it's just hard you can't make it up, basically. You can't come up with a kind of soothing song if you don't know it <laughs> in another language. This
1: is this is brilliant. I mean I've spoken to quite a few guests now from around the world and I think this is the first time actually. I mean, this is what the thirty-seven, thirty-eight episode that I've that I've had someone tell me this. This is a really this is a really interesting insight for me, and I think a lot of people listening might be thinking, "Crikey, never really thought about it that way before." Because especially with, I say this with a lot of sadness and a, a, a you know a lot of upset, and I've said it on the podcast before that it's something that upsets me quite a lot. That during the time when we were, you know, the EU twenty eight, the EU, you know, where yeah. we were able to move around and and the the melting pot, I was hugely proud of that of oh, the fact nice. that we yeah, could, yeah. you know, really have a, a whole continental scale melting pot and and i think what you have is a product quite and you, and you say you've now come to come to piece of it and you actually celebrate it as a product of that
0: yeah so, hugely and, and you, you always lovely. i think it's it's important to celebrate it and i think i've interestingly had a few conversations with people who always go oh you're going to teach her you speak to her in french and you to my daughter and i'm like yeah it's like but it's she's going to speak later i'm like i know i spoke at the age of two haven't stopped since <laughs> but it took me ages to start talking um yeah. I, but equally majority of the world's people speak uh, actually being a m- monolingual i think it's how you pronounce it in english mm. is probably a minority I'd, I'd say in the world because the majority of people will speak dialect and their language or the language and yeah. something else but here in the kind of westernized world it's still seen as a you've got a bit of an accent. And that, I think as a kid, that was the hardest. Oh, where's your accent from? And you never fully had, I had an English accent in France, or supposedly. And then in England, I had a bit of a French accent. And it was more, it was more of the intonation than the accents. And I still make mistakes now. I say words and the kids in class go, Hmm, so it sounded a bit weird I don't think that's how it's (laughs) and it's just because I get the intonation wrong but I think that's I I quite I laugh about it now but as a kid I was always thinking oh gosh my English is not good enough oh my French is not good enough and and I think yeah I think for a lot of children who grow up as bilingual or trilingual or even more in some cases in the UK or elsewhere I think it's important to whatever happens in politically in your outside world remember that it's a luxury it's a massive luxury um to not have to in the words of a friend of mine she's like i'm spain spending nine grand a year in uni to learn something you got by birth um and she was doing french and i was like it's a good point actually didn't pay for that uh it just happened
1: (laughs) yeah no it's and actually i think a lot more of us can identify it if if we really think about it, especially if those of us who've you know migrate within our own country so you take take me I, i didn't go very far from from where I was born and raised. So I was born and raised in the county of Essex, one of the home counties. My dad is Cockney from Eastern London. So so I have that. So when I first moved up to Norwich, you know, a lot of people did have trouble understanding me because yeah, I had a very strong Essex Cockney hybrid accent and that's changed. So it's the same mm. sort of thing. So because you, you were talking about not just the language, but also the dialect, the intonations, yeah. and everything like that. So that's really, really fascinating. And I've got a story to tell everyone. It's the first time I've seen it. Um, and this is actually an excuse to say hi to one of my old best friends, my my best friend from primary school called uh, Ivano. And uh, I'm going to get Ivano to listen to this. I, I, I've, we haven't been in contact with each other for a long, long time, which is fine. Our paths have diverged. We're doing our own mm-hmm. thing now, which is great. But I do think of him a lot because he was a very good friend of mine at primary school. And uh one of the best memories I had was um well we'd we'd gone to secondary school now, we went to different secondary schools, but um we got well two families got together because you know, it's been nice to catch up kind of thing. So Ivano and I must have been uh, eleven or twelve or something like that. Um and his parents had invited us over to dinner, and it was the most brilliant brilliant i I loved his family his family were lovely absolutely lovely so melba his mum was from colombia um salvatore uh was from italy and um i think and i could be mistaken but i think Paola, their oldest daughter and ivano were born in the uk but so and then there was this time that they had this I don't know what we, we we don't to this day know what they said, but there was something that happened over the dinner table we was all having our meal. And Salvatore was kind of saying something very sternly in Italian. Melbourne was responding in Spanish. And Ivano in English was going, Yes, I know. Stop <laughs> <laughs> And it was like oh, it was it was brilliant. And I just felt I felt so I felt quite privileged to be being that sitting at that table, even at that young age of like eleven, yeah. twelve. I thought this is actually really cool. I really like, and I'm very envious of. But so I'm wondering. So Ivana, if you're listening, um, I miss you, buddy. Do connect with me. Um, I have precious memories from when we were children. Um, but yeah, it's. I wonder, like, how folks like him, you know, him and his sister Paula would think because. Yeah, they probably yeah. had the same experience, I didn't think... quite fit maybe in the English culture, maybe when they went back to
0: Italy or Colombia, maybe it'd, that... It'd be interesting to know because I think uh, it all is about the kind of community you have around you and the support network you have around you as well um, yeah. and obviously I was talking to a few other friends who were saying it depends on the what the extra language is so in the UK French is it, it it make my life easier just because it's st- still seen as as cool. You do it in school. Evie's gonna have a, like whacking time. She's gonna sm- smash the GCSE <laughs> French. She's gonna have a laugh when she gets to it Which is five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, it's gonna not gonna be that hard, and she's obviously gonna, probably gonna pick it because it's gonna be easy. But if it had been another <laughs> language, which would have been harder, like I don't know, Persian or, or Turkish, it would have been a lot harder to kind of use and. You, some people in I was I mean when I'm around town it's half term now and so it's just her and me when we go out and about you get people who try and say hello or bye in French because they hear us speak French but that's yeah. interactions you you have the luxury of having because France is only going to be 21 miles away from Dover, um, but it's not going to be the case if you spoke a an indigenous language of somewhere a little bit further afield, um, and I feel yeah. like it's a it'd be interesting to see how some families do it. If they have a language that's in a minority language, as well as being a minority language as a whole in the world, not just like French or Spanish or Italian, or something a little bit less classical. Um, Yeah. So yeah, it's something I've always found fascinating: the language barrier and the identity, the understanding your own identity and where you come from and how you embrace it. How you and there's always moments in your life where you don't want to embrace it; you want to kind of hide behind it or, or not or not show it at all. And it's always. I think the more you grow, the more you meet people, the more you realize, OK, I'm, more and more people are actually interested in the fact I'm just not one thing. Um, Brussels helps because Brussels is. I mean, the fact that it's EU based there, wherever you go, you hear people babbling in all sorts of languages and same as you were mentioning in your memory. For me, I love that. I, even if I don't get a single word of it, but hearing people yeah. in Danish, Italian, uh, Greek, Turkish, whatever the language, I'm like, this is so cool. Can't understand any of it. Wish I could, but I just love hearing other things. Thinking, gosh, it's great to know so much diversity.
1: Yeah, it really is. And this is something why it's so precious to make sure we we support. Because uh, you mentioned about you know the 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 less well known languages, the indigenous languages, things oh, yeah. like that. It's to to make sure that those they just don't go by the wayside and we yeah. support them and we, and you know so many people are, are their culture is embedded within their language yes yeah, and, absolutely, um,
0: yeah. it'd be I very much to... very much a barrier if i couldn't share the frenchness in me to my daughter she wouldn't mm. be able to speak to her grandmother her grand great grandmother right. there's so many books and things i remember from being a child or toys and I'm like the instructions on in French into board games instructions and in... so much of it would be I can't do that because she can't speak it I think that it would genuinely hurt me if she wasn't able to even understand it and what she does with it after she might have a few years where she goes I don't want to speak French back to you so be it we'll see but it, at least you'll have a basic knowledge and understanding of the culture
1: yeah that's it because it's it's a connection to your identity oh hugely so language language is and it's um yeah i've i've spoken about language quite a fair bit in previous podcasts uh episodes especially in season 1 um and the the story that i always loved to um speak is when i was living in san francisco and working in san francisco and and these um these these folks from um i can never remember what the, the their their indigenous culture was called but they're from like the, the west coast of california traditionally all the way up to you know through the west to the pacific pacific coast into canada and um and giselle martin i've I've been trying to get in contact with her i should get her on the podcast but uh i think i think she's contact details have moved on so might have lost the opportunity but I, she gave a fascinating talk about how for example the 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 culture that she's from has like Ten or twelve different words for tree because it means different certain things, like the the stage of a tree's life and what it can do for the environment, what it can do for humans, and and so it's It's just incredible. It's kind
0: of how they're connected to because that's how the society works. If that makes sense, but I think in a really in my curiosity here, I know there's very from a French point of view, the very little differences between English and Americans, as in kind of culturally there's a lot of differences but culturally language wise yeah. <laughs> how i'm sure that still come up when you went to san francisco even though you've got american uh, american family you were still the british one weren't you I oh certainly yeah, yeah. how yeah. does that feel because it's kind of your I, I think it was the word i can't remember what what uh it was a, a, a essay i had to write on eal i was a, a, a australian academic you called it um immigrants that blend in. Are the ones that surprise people the most because they arrive, they look like everyone else, and then suddenly you go, "Oh gosh, I didn't expect you to be different." um hmm. And that's exactly what happens when you're an Englishman, I presume. In um, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so for the folks not sure, so EAL stands for oh, English as an Additional Language, a language. Yeah. So just just because we got some non-teachers yeah. <laughs> as well, because teachers now acronyms. <laughs> we, yes, love we love those. um So yeah, I mean, how do I feel? Oh, well, actually, the I mean san francisco is a pretty diverse melting yeah. pot anyway so I, I don't think i batted much of it got much bats of eyelids than but the <laughs> i i did go and with a friend i did go and visit um michigan and the outskirts of detroit there was a friend there that i visited and there's like no hardly any like folks from other countries there and like just ordering something at the local like wendy's or whatever it was it's like mm. oh my god you're british <laughs> it's like kind of reaction you know like in love actually for those of you've seen like, the movie yeah. love actually when he goes to milwaukee and then and they're, they're just like oh say table and it's like table <laughs> and <they> go,
0: oh. <laughs> that's the impression i get from films it's yeah literally that yeah i was wondering if it wasn't that intense or if it was just films
1: but again what am i focused on it's not like you know about how I go about my day or the, you know, not even things like, you know, the weather and things like, it was really focused on the way I spoke. Yeah. Um, and my accent and the words that I use is like, what, you say trolley rather than car is it, it's lift, not elevator, you know, and sort of like that kind of stuff pavement heard, not sidewalk I've heard a lot and of
0: teach, teachers in yeah. school now start to moan about the other way around going oh kids nowadays they can't, they can't <laughs> use words like uh, they'll use words like elevator instead of lift and they go to the bathroom instead of the toilet and they, I think with the more and more Netflix and the like uh, the restroom. yeah exactly there's a lot of people who start using words which are to a English ear uh, uh, yeah I think that's by, by nature more and more people who learn English will learn The one which has more people in, technically.
1: Hi folks, a chance for you to recharge your brew, but also a polite prod to remind you that it's so easy to support this podcast. Simply liking, sharing, rating and reviewing means that it will get on more people's radar. Also, there are a few links down in the description which may be of mutual benefit. Please do check them out. Right, let's move on um, to something that you put in your bio that I'd like to speak about. It's, and you say that uh, in terms of being a geographer, you say that wherever you go, you always end up taking too many pictures of geographical features and landscape. But you do end up using them in the classroom for your teaching or and on Instagram so um you say i also always want to understand how the areas i visit formed and changed over time and that's a very geography geographical thing isn't it you the one thing that really captured my my attention to this subject is i felt it gave me the ability of having like x-ray vision so i could look at a landscape and i could look beyond you know what you can just see on the surface so i always used to say people the thing i love about geography is that i don't just look at a tree i look at a whole micro ecosystem. Look at how that tree might be providing shade. How it might be hosting different organisms. You know, if yeah. it is a potential resource, if you let it grow, it will do this. If you chopped it down, it will change the landscape like this. And then, and they're like, "Yeah, but it's just a tree." I was like, I know, "Yeah, it's but just... even
0: the type of tree and the yeah." For me, I mean, it's talking about a tree. One of my most vivid, I think, sense of smell is one of the most powerful ones. It can bring you mm. back down memory lane. Yeah, and um. A few years ago, my grandparents used to have a flat in the south of France, and when they sold it, I was I was youngish. And a while ago, I remember smelling eucalyptus leaf, and I was it took me back years, oh, and I was wow. like, "Gosh, I know exactly where I was when I last smelled one of those." Um, I think, and yeah, for me, eucalyptus tree, and you hear about. Anyway, eucalyptus as being some bad trees because they grow everywhere and they're not native. But they, the smell just takes me back to the uh, south south coast south of France coast. Um, I think, yeah. Anyway, you're right. Trees aren't just trees. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, what's let's ask you a question is Is there any place that you've visited or been to, taken loads of pictures of, or whatever, um, where where you've kind of like you could have if someone didn't like click you out of that geographical kind of zone, and you know when you you know when you zone it, you just like so fascinating. Has there only really been anywhere like that where you've just end up? You go, oh my god, I took so many pictures of this one place. Yeah. <laughs> you got a place yeah, like no. that?
0: Two. um One is Norway. Has hands down has to be if I had to move to one place in the world, it'd be Norway. Um, a bit, I was near somewhere called Gunvangen, which is on the railway between uh, Oslo and Bergen. Um, we went for a hike. Uh, And we're at the top of the fjord, and you can see the fjord bend and the kind of U shaped valley and the perfectly smooth edges to what was the glacial valley and how it's all straight and the eustatic change of sea levels. I was just like, oh, this is so much geography in here. And I took so many pictures, and I use it year on year on year in my slides. Um, And I can go on and on about that part of Norway in general. It's just so much geography everywhere you go constantly. You've kind of got snow line behind you. Um, it's just, yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, that is definitely the top, top place I took too many pictures in. Um, and the other place is um, kind of blowing my own trumpet here. But <laughs> there's an island in Croatia called the Island of Vis. Um are not owned by ourselves. We'd very much like that to be the case. <laughs> it's where actually Discovered Mamma Mia 2 was filmed. <gasps> um, and obviously the coastline being a big case study of a Concord and coastline. Uh, we every time I every time I talk about the Concord coastline, I always say, "Well, one of the toughest rocks out there is the Island of Vis, because it's one of the ones that sticks out the most. Therefore, it's a hard piece of rock, and it's never, never really been eroded that much. So, us Vis lot were really, really tough. Tough, and I've got so many pictures of me around Vis signs in Vis town. and, I show them, <laughs> and I, I've got it on my Instagram. I show the kids, uh, and the kids are always like, oh, so this is ridiculous," and I'm like, "I know, but it's it's fun, right?" And it's a cool place. And it's, of all the places you could have an island, it's a pretty cool place to have one. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. the island of face. fists. Yeah, it's yeah. a
1: small Croatian island. In the Adriatic Sea is the furthest inhabited island off the Croatian mainland, once known for its thriving in- fishing industry in the late 19th and 20th century, having gained considerable notoriety for its isolation during the times of Yugoslavia. The present-day industries in your island are agriculture and tourism.
0: Okay. Yeah, so it used to be a military base during Tito's um, rule. And then okay. the film Mum and Me are there because I can't remember why, but um, <laughs> so there's a few things that have happened there. But it's a, uh, it's not that big, but it's it's cool, it's cool. So I'd probably say those two are the two places that come up again and again and again. Inside, uh, just for the anecdote of me and uh, the other one, just being a cool country.
1: <laughs> cool. Oh, excellent. Okay. So yeah, I don't know if there's. I mean, there's got to be some place in the world that's called Rackley. I mean, I don't. I mean, a lee is like a place or a meadow. And a, a rack like an old like agricultural tool. So it's like,
0: I didn't know that.
1: Apparently, I don't. I've been trying to work out the entomology, but um, that's pretty cool. Right? Okay. So, um, so Lou, we're going to spill the beans now because I want you to talk about speaking about memories yeah. of you. Well, you can you can correct if 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 wrong. But age five, you drove a train through rural France. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: I spoke. My parents came to visit last weekend, and uh, they corrected me. Apparently, I wasn't because I thought I said I was ten, and they're like, "You weren't ten; you were younger." But I wasn't quite five, so I think I must have been about seven. Um, Wasn't for long, but it was me, my cousins, and my sisters who were four under the age of ten who relayed each other to drive the said train (laughs) under the supervision of my grandfather. Um, And it was my grandfather was a um, was a what we call a cheminot in French, which is a train driver. And they retire age fifty five, um, and so he was the second husband of my grandmother, which is explains why he was grandfather age fifty five, quite young. Right. But anyway, he, um, yeah, we. So it was his last ever journey. He was retiring. He was his last journey back into his home village of Emberieux. Um and for the from the last stop before Ambérieu, so it's on the line from Geneva to Lyon. We hopped on and did the last like leg with the whole family in the in the cabin and i, I remember being sat there all you have to do is, is i'm sure there's more technicalities on this i'm sure he had his feet on pedals or something but i just remember pushing <laughs> a lever forward and just like easing it off when you had to slow down um and wait had, did this like, train have passengers yes <laughs> but they had been told they had been they didn't they weren't told it was young kids driving but they were told it was the last train journey of uh, the the driver. And the reason they had to be told is because in France on that last leg they put um every I can't remember how many meters they put the little fireworks. So every time the train goes over them it just goes bang, 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 and it gets oh, faster okay. and faster as you get closer to the kind of the end of the line. Um and so if they hadn't been told, I it was post it was pre a lot of horrible things in the world. Um it probably would have freaked out a lot of people oh, okay. like regular bangs. Um, so it's just like mini fireworks just to celebrate the end of his driving career um and then after that he was retired and we had an awful lot of time with our grandfather it was quite cool oh, <laughs> so that was well, an anecdote yeah. yeah i've got a picture of it upstairs in the attic somewhere
1: oh um, if if you are happy to share that you 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 should share it
0: yeah well, um I, I need to go dish it out i'll so put it stick it on, it on, stick it on, it on twitter. your twitter or something yeah yeah, i'll do that um but it really get a nice memory of being in a train it's only time i driven a train um so yeah
1: okay wonderful so um, one feature I like to play with you now, and uh, that is jog on. So jog on is where I give you five topics randomly chosen, um, and you have to pick three of them to to talk about. Um, you can you can talk about them any way, shape, or form. Maybe you've got an experience on one of them. Maybe you want to make some geographical links, or maybe you just have some random funny antidote about anything and just to confirm louis you have not been told these five topics in advance so you've not been able to prepare
0: no i haven't which is quite <laughs> nice actually because it relieves there's no stress of the like, podcast i you know teachers
1: prepare. we have to prepare for <laughs> everything yeah okay so you can pass twice basically yeah. um so okay the first one and it, i don't know if you maybe have an old family member who this might seem to mind but the first uh, topic is pipes now I'm gonna go because this you talked about like the girders of buildings or something like that. Kit, no, I'm gonna go for the the classic smoking pipes. Oh, yeah,
0: because I was thinking with the, what's in the world at the minute, pipes and transport of uh, energy could be quite interesting. But uh, pipes, mm. you smoke, gosh, that's I'm what I'm going go for. Um,
1: Take a hike on that. Is it the,
0: uh, the only the only thing I could say about it? Uh, does it have to be geographical though? No, jam?
1: you can say anything okay. you like about pipes.
0: Because <laughs> the anything I'd say, then I'll, I'll jog on with it and say, okay. um, I, I, the pipe is probably one of the most famous Belgian features because we have a, a famous painter who has Sussene Pazim oh. as one of his main um, paintings. Um, so uh, yeah, Mag- I'm pretty sure it's Magritte. Uh, Belgium will hate me if I get that right one. <laughs> uh, is it? It has to Magritte de Monet, I can't remember. Oh gosh, I should, I should have, min- I should have taken a hike on that one. It's anyway, nice. uh, you can look that um, up. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the famous Belgian paintings. Yeah.
1: Oh sweet. Okay. Well, nicely done. Right. Uh, the second topic is artists, which is you kind of touched on that, but artists.
0: Let's jog on with it. And okay. I think one thing I, I don't, know, I think it might be because I'm a geographer. Every time I watch <laughs> a TV series or film or any or listen to music. I always want to know where they're from. I don't know if that's just me, but I always end up Wikipediaing them or me putting too. them on Google. I always check. Yes, where Wiki Buddies. What high five to camera? <laughs> what school did they go to? Like, where did they come from? Where were they born? And I think it's because nowadays so many people sing in English or or are famous for things in the English world. I'm always surprised when people are from somewhere else. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I watched the Around the World in 80 Days on BBC iPlayer recently. And of the three main actors, there's only one Brit in there. And I was like, gosh, you really wouldn't have known uh, what some of the others weren't English. And I quite like that because it shows how... I don't know. Again, it highlights a bit of diversity. Um, So I think, yeah, artists are a really nice way of getting to know places you might not know of otherwise.
1: That's a... Yeah, a good way of putting it. Right. Okay. uh, Now you've got three topics. And you can only talk about one of them. Yeah. So you can, like pass on the next one or two to take a risk on whatever but it's, this is the this is where the, the completely pointless fun comes around, you know it's f- false choice <laughs> um <laughs> so the third topic is bridges
0: oh i'm gonna uh, i i want to take the risk and skip to and go to last and and take the gamble of talking about it but being in bristol bridges is um
1: yes I'm going to
0: was... have to take, I'm going to have to. Yeah. You're that good. That yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no bridges are pretty awesome. I, I just love watching, looking at them. We've got the 7 Estuary one, which yep. closed both closed during the last week because of the storms. Yep. Um, and you forget how vital they are to communication networks. I mean, colleagues having to go around to Gloucester to get to school, thankfully wow. schools, yeah, closed, of course. schools closed, etc. But if there's a big Welsh contingency in Bristol and vice versa, and yeah, if you close a bridge like the Humber Bridge in in Yorkshire, which is uh, not far from my grandmother's, or these two seven bridges, or even I think there's a ludicrous bridge between Macau and Hong Kong. Um, there's this, yeah, they they allow trade. Uh, Ottawa wasn't one of the bridges closed there because twenty five percent of Aust- uh, Canadian tra- uh, trade goes through it, and it was shut down because of uh, the the um, the protests by lorry drivers. Mm, I think we underestimate right, bridges.
1: Yeah, that's why. That's why um, um, Trudeau invoked emergency powers. Yeah, because they were blocking bridges. Because the it was, bridge. I think, because it was that much of a stranglehold. That's thing. On, yeah, bridges
0: yeah. are just like one of these unspoken heroes of modern globalization. That's um, true. But yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. No, I think that was a good chat talk about to talk about that one. Um, okay, so you, well, actually, I think you made the right choice because <laughs> one one of them you pretty much just your sheer existence like covers it right okay. the, the fifth topic was actually europe and i'm not lying it, it comes up <laughs> randomly so you we're cool with that the fourth <laughs> one was buffaloes <laughs> so uh, yeah, you can't you, oh it's so actually it worked out quite well it worked out yeah, quite well it worked out. yeah um so we got um your half term in bristol at the moment yeah um and one of the things that I, one thing that I never really asked any guests for, for people is uh, on the, on the podcast is particularly with geography teachers is the thing that, what do you try to get up to? Is there a myth to dispel with regards to half term holidays? Because there's this common thing, isn't there with regards to holidays. not being at school yeah. that it's all, yep, feet up. Don't worry about it. Stop what that. Cause I've been, with my job, I've still been communicating with with teachers at a school who should be on half term at the moment because we're sorting out careers stuff and things like that. But yeah. f- and I know that actually the answer is it depends on the individual circumstances. Yeah. I think so, so for you, um, what is the kind of half term kind of school holiday process for you as as uh, a teacher who's well a teacher in Bristol or a teacher in in England?
0: Yeah. For me, it's it has to be I. I... I'm militant about how I organise myself, and it's a full shutdown of unless exceptional circumstances like teacher assess grades, etc. Uh, of nightmares of the last two years, which have required a bit more uh, over the holidays. I have to, I have to shut down. Uh, otherwise, I, for me, it's a matter of well, usually I'm not always in the country. Um, my right. parents came over this half term to come and see me. Uh, otherwise, I'm back in Belgium to see my parents or France to see my grandmother. Um, so f- f- it's my kind of chance. I work hard in the t- in the term and the half terms. I'm out. Um, they and my colleagues are lucky to have me in the country if they if I'm here at all. <laughs> uh, so I think it's if and if I am here, it's very much like the boring. Let's get the MOT done and just go to the dentist. <laughs> do the thing All Poor the stuff. appointments. All the appointments you can't do because you can't pick up your phone when you teach. Um, so you can't book anything. So that's kind of yeah that's a half time i'm on that at the minute I've seen, my parents came over to see and then i've done the dentist and it's probably need i probably need to do the hairdress and stuff like that but yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and this is all important stuff and um and i think life admin basically yeah life admin that's a really good point about it and i think that's something even you know i i was guilty of was allowing you know school to encroach on because you there's there's going to be people who 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 have never experienced teaching or the teacher profession or don't have any connection of some kind and they only see it from the outside looking in. Yeah, I think it's difficult
0: um, to understand it if you see it from the yeah. And
1: well. so they might some people might be thinking, oh well, Louis is quite clearly managing to have these half time. Well, actually, but sometimes you've got to need to do this because you've got to catch up on life in general. And also, mm-hmm. if you if you continue working, you know you work intensely during the term and we're not just yeah, talking yeah. about a 9 to 5 you could for me sometimes it was a it was a 7 to 7 day yeah i think it's know.
0: it's definitely a routine and a kind of st- a structure yeah. and I was I've I've had five years of teaching before my daughter arrived, so it's kind of it's not like mm. I was new at the job with kids. That made a massive difference because I did have my wife's a lawyer, so she her hours mean I wow. probably work yeah. a bit longer sometimes just because she's not here yet back home yet. And right. now there's now there's my daughter I look after. her, But in the first few years when I had to set everything up really and get the ball rolling and build my kind of arsenal of equi- teaching equipment, yes, um, yeah. I was able to build it, um, and I think it's it's also kind of it, kind of very boring uh life <laughs> story but um my wife and i did long distance for about six years and so from it was all when we were in uni it's always like the weekends are to go and see each other she was in oxford i was in sheffield and we can commute it, and then somehow always moved around but never together at the same time it all works out we're still all in bristol now but it's it was a kind of if i didn't organize myself i didn't have the weekends and it's just stayed and it's a habit i've just Stick stuck by if if I work in the week, the weekends are free, so it's yeah. just but I think I'm not at that stage now because I've had so much so many years of practice, which has helped yeah. massively
1: yeah and i and I know some teacher friends who who try the actual best to try and keep work as close into the school day as they possibly can. And they do go home at like, say four o'clock, but then they leave it deliberately to the weekend or to the half term, yeah, you I've know, and the that's the way that, that, and that's, that's the way that they cope.
0: Like, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: But it sounds like we've got very, very parallel experiences because I, uh, the same happened with me. My, my wife uh, and I were, were dating while I was doing my teacher training. So she was over Perfect, living yeah. with me from America. Uh, and then I actually spent the first couple of years of my teacher career with, with her back in the States and uh, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast to my shame that um, I would go quite often <laughs> as almost as many half terms as I possibly could or East Holidays and fly over and see her.
0: Yeah, um, because it's 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 it, it so, you can make it if you want to make it work, you make it work. But it's exactly. Rubbish. But it, yeah, because it's rubbish. You try and make sure every time you, you can, you you have the freedom to be able to do it. But I was taking um, my
1: work on the plane, you know. I was yeah. marking work on the plane. In fact, I used, I used that opportunity to kind of catch up. So, but yeah, that was my personal circumstance.
0: As, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it is all down to organization-based. So I'm also very lucky to be in a school that's incredibly supportive. Yes. They do genuinely care about the well-being um, and i have got a really, really competent team. Um, so oh. I, all these things do make it easier for me to be able to have that. Extension. it really
1: does yeah and and i I probably wouldn't have been in the profession for as long as I was if I didn't have the same sort of support, so um, I think those people have listened to every episode, they've probably pieced together my whole entire career narrative and the reasons the various reasons why
0: on the last episode of the last series you should have a quiz be like right in what episode did i say
1: oh that's not a bad idea actually because uh, i don't know whether <laughs> i can with with uh, the likes of andy giving me the word of anti disestablishment materialism <laughs> and uh, stuff like that i don't know if i can write another poem um but anyway which leads me quite nice segueing onto we are all geographers and connecting the words um so this is so, folks who are new to listening or have forgotten. <laughs> uh, we are all geographers. Is a way of linking all of our guests together, where they come up with a word where they try to link it to to geography in the very loosest sense. Now, last uh, week um, we had a delightful listen with Helen Illus, um, who is fantastically creative map maker and, and visual artist. Um, and I really hope you t- did check out all her stuff. And she was given the word connection by um, James Cheshire. And now for you, Louis.
0: Helen. That's the one I've been thinking. Gosh, what are they coming up oh, with? Oh, it's a lovely one. It's a <laughs>
1: nice one. She's a, he, Helen, a lovely, lovely person, and, and she was very, very kind to give the word openness. So a nice, about, I like that. A nice one. Yeah, yeah. We're still trying to come down from Andy's a few weeks ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> i never going to let that <laughs> let him live it down. Um. So yeah. So so um so. Louis, you have, um, whenever you feel ready, you have 30 seconds to link the word openness in any way you so wish in the loosest possible sense to geography. So I am prepping my timer for you. And when you are ready, just make a start.
0: Okay. Openness, I think, is basically that's what geography is about. It's about opening up to the world, understanding the world and making sure understanding how we're connected to one another. I think we live in a world at the minute that is very much everyone for their own gain. And I think yeah. being more open, being more uh, embracing of each other's cultures, understanding of each other uh, is the best way to live with 7.7 billion people on the planet. It's to be mm. open, be willing to listen to one another. Uh, so I think being a, openness is the best remedy to current problems within society.
1: Perfect. And absolutely agree. I mean, there's, there's nothing quite like geography to, to open you know your mind so yeah, absolutely. i thought i thought i'd throw that one in there
0: <laughs> yeah it's a good, it's a good one it's a, it's it's a stereotype of geography but it is really a way of opening yeah. up the world to the classroom it is you're in the classroom but you can you you can open so much, many other doors just from being sat yeah. in a geography lesson
1: yeah and and we we were talking about the differences in culture between like the united states and and the uk Geography, the way that they, t- or they don't oh. teach geography. It's like, or they, they think geography is just maps and and yet yeah, half of them can't find a certain, far- anyway, you, I'm not going to go on like that.
0: Yeah, so. When you say that, but France is the same, as in we teach geography, but geography is history and geography. And that is the teacher who does history and geography right. only does the human geography. And then the person who does the oceans and the volcanoes and the earthquakes, we call that science et Vie de la Terre, SVT, which is Science and Life of the Earth. And so, if I was, I remember asking to a friend saying, "What would I teach if I was in France?" Because geography is split up, and he just down point. He went straight to point. He was like, "You teach English." And I was like, "Okay, probably have a point there." Um, mm-hmm. But it's um, yeah, in, in French was in France, we split it in half. One's half is in science, one's half is in history. Which Oh, um, um, yeah,
1: yeah. I I I really. <laughs> yeah because i always have to explain myself whenever i talk to friends and family in in, in the states i was like yes geography is and then yeah. they're, they're so like bog-eyed when i say yeah we cover this we cover this because like, well you do what you teach everything then i was like well you yeah, said it i didn't <laughs> but okay so the word that you would like to give um our next guest um what would you like to
0: offer uh, at the risk of being very vague, I feel like I'd have to go on the word identity. Um, okay, oh, just okay. because it's it's vague, it's it's broad, but it's <laughs> for me it's a big part of how I define myself. is my identity. Um, so, yeah.
1: I love it, and I think next guest is going to have a really good crack at that. I'm really really excited to to, to talk to the next guest. It's an ex work colleague of mine um, who has a very very interesting identity. So that's oh, going to be yeah, awesome. Yeah. Right, so to finish off, um, some shout outs. Would you like to give? You gave uh, a little bit of a shout out uh, to your your school and your colleagues, and to your wife. Is there anyone else you'd like to give a shout out to?
0: Um, uh, as a whole, just a geography a Twitter community. I don't know. I know I've met, I've named or seen a few names pop up on the on the podcast. But mm-hmm. it's just a really supportive. We started when I started my career here obviously didn't know many people other than my PGC cohort in Oxford Um, and I'd moved to Bristol and it just helped to have some people to kind of quite in a creepy way you kind of quietly follow they don't really know you, you follow them <laughs> and you kind of it's just nice to know you, you're not the only one there um, yeah. and then obviously it's, it's my fifth sixth year now here and I bristol network of teaching in general and humanities especially is really really strong so i think yeah yeah, david reese will
1: give david reese a shout out because uh,
0: coming
1: to bristol yeah he um he he keeps having a go he's like you never mentioned me I was like well i have now david (laughs) (laughs) so there you go done it um yeah and all the bristol folk um great so and so you've you said you've mentioned instagrams you've got instagram and twitter so how can we find you on those
0: uh, so it's at Mister vis geography uh, in both, um, and the t- Twitter one is very much uh, more of a professional kind of interaction with other teachers. Yep. The Instagram one is uh, is genuinely developed for in in bringing geography to people's homes. Just because I'd set it up in lockdown one, and we kind of our students disappeared, and yeah. we saw them online. We did so, but I couldn't bring, I've got, I'm a massive geek. I've got, I collect flags since I'm age seven. Yes. And every week I've got a new flag behind my desk linked to the topics in the news. So nice. Monday's Ukraine, obviously. Yes, yes. My um, I mean, thoughts always, go out to the, the folks yeah, in Ukraine. Absolutely. Some pictures have been heartbreaking. Um, and it's kind of, I always bring geography, whatever type of geography into the classroom. And I suddenly realized I couldn't. And I had kids email me saying, oh, so what's the flag for this week? And I thought, well, actually if I make a virtual classroom and it's purely like students can't can't comment, can't nothing. They just can just see the pictures uh, and it's just very much for to show them illustrations of what they've learned in class what I've seen in the news that links to what we've studied, what I've read. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised with how students have engaged with it. Even parents, <laughs> uh, when you go on field trips, their parents engage. So I think it's, yeah, it's just a nice way to use social media for the, in a positive way and in oh. a kind of 21st century away with so many lockdowns is coming incredibly handy
1: yeah and i think having a little bit of a positive use of social media is never a oh, bad thing yeah absolutely. yeah because it can be a bit of a cesspit <laughs> yes so um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. so that's that's absolutely brilliant and so people should go, to, should go check that out okay um well thank you very much for joining me louis it's been know, absolutely thank you wonderful
0: for
1: that invite. Yeah, it was wonderful to connect with you so we've 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 chatted quite a fair bit on the Twitter sphere as we mentioned but this is the first yes. time we've actually sat Correct. down and had a bit of a chat so it's been Correct. wonderful thank you so yeah, much for really joining doing me it.
0: thank you very much thank you
1: thank you so much for listening we hope you had fun if you haven't already done so please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favorite podcast app if you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at Pod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffee and jog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep geogging.